All right, I want to welcome you again to Hope. It's great to have you. I want to say hi to all the friends and guests who are joining us online. I do have a question to get us started this morning. Does anyone here love spicy foods? Spicy, like hot. Okay, good. I love spicy food too. And uh, I was, uh, Angie and I were on a double date with our friends, Alyssa and David. And my friend David loves his spicy food. He got uh, a plate. It had some peppers on them. I didn't know what they were, but he seemed to be uh, eating them and, you know, didn't really bother him. There was no reaction. And so I said, hey, um, those peppers very hot. He's like, uh, you want to try one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like spicy food, <laughs> right? I put one pepper in my mouth. I was in like my throat was on fire. My mouth was burning. I was coughing and choking. <laughs> I had sweat running down the face, tears out of my eyes. I do love spicy food, but my body has not yet caught up with my taste buds. I have a, a little problem with that, but I love spicy food, and I'm really excited about today because Jesus is going to get spicy. He's bringing the heat, and it's all directed towards Believe it or not, the most religious people of his day. We're talking this morning about religious hypocrisy. How about that? Right now we're in the middle of a series called Jesus at the Table. We're looking at the stories in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus eats with people. Uh, it is a theme of the Gospel of Luke. We find Jesus at the Table Jesus shares meals with both the irreligious people who are called the sinners and Jesus also eats with the religious people who are known as the Pharisees. And using different analogies, Jesus wants us to understand that whether you're irreligious or you are religious, we all need a doctor. We all have a debt that we can't pay. We all we all need a forgiveness that only Jesus can provide. The tax collectors and sinners, they are welcoming Jesus. And they are receiving his grace and forgiveness. But the religious people, not so much. They saw themselves as righteous. They didn't think they needed Jesus or his message. Well, today we're in Luke Chapter 11, Jesus is at another dinner, and this time the Pharisees are there, the so-called Bible experts are there, the experts in the law, these are the most religious people, and believe it or not, right in the middle of this dinner, Jesus exposes their hypocrisy and sin. Right? It's going to get a little bit uncomfortable, you're going to want to bring your fire extinguisher and I'm calling today's message, Strong Words at Dinner. In summary of this meal, this is what one commentator wrote. Jesus castigates the religious leaders for being hypocritical, ignoring God's justice, burdening people with demands that they themselves do not keep, following their murderous ancestors and blocking the entrance to heaven. Their condemnation could hardly be stronger. Talk about a spicy meal. Jesus is at the table, and he's here to speak to us. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up to 
Luke chapter 11. And we'll pick it up in verse 37. And I believe this is a really important message for us today. I believe it's relevant for our lives. And it is, we are going to hear some strong words at dinner. And I think it could hit us at a couple of levels. I think, first of all, the number one reason that people cite for leaving the church is hypocrites. People who act one way in one setting and very differently in another. Uh, someone named Brenning Manning who once said, the single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but deny him by their lifestyle. One of the strongest arguments, one of the strongest objections against Christianity today is Christian hypocrisy. And people wonder, how can Christianity be true if there are so many hypocrites in the church? You guys heard that before? I have. It is a common objection today. And if you're here today and you have no interest in Christianity because of hypocrisy that you've seen, I have a good feeling that you're going to like Jesus. Because Jesus hates hypocrisy too. That's one level that this may hit us. But there's another level that this could hit us too. We, uh, like, um, like us, these people that Jesus criticizes for their religious hypocrisy are... Worship-attending, Bible-believing, moral people. And this is going to give an opportunity for us today for Jesus to shine a light on our hearts too. Right? Because what Jesus wants for you and for me is something real and something genuine. And that's what God is offering for us. So we have an opportunity to look at our own lives. Today, we got strong words at, at dinner. We're going to hear Jesus define religious hypocrisy. What is it? He'll expose it. What does it look like? And then be the solution. So let's get to it. Luke 11, verses 37 to 54. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. We'll put it up on the screen. This is a longer passage, so bear with me here. Um, beginning in verse 7. When Jesus had finished speaking... A Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash his hands before the meal. Jesus, Jesus. Then the Lord, capital L, the Lord Jesus said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside too? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean to you. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. <laughs> this guy, one of the experts of the law answered him, 
teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you. <laughs> Speaking of the you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I'll send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they'll kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to Zechariah. That's the A to the Z of all the prophets who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law because you've taken away the key to knowledge you yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. And Jesus went outside. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Wow. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for these strong words of Jesus, which are meant to hit us in our hearts, to expose things in our hearts that even maybe we as Christians have not noticed or paid attention to. And I just pray today, God, that you would strengthen us and encourage us to be more like Jesus in our hearts and in our world. And speak to us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Let's walk through this. What's Jesus talking about here? Number one, we'll start with this. Jesus defines religious hypocrisy. So what exactly do we mean when we're talking about religious hypocrisy? Well, let's see how Jesus defines it. Verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. It was a special way of eating a meal back then. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash his hands before the meal. A quick question, how many of you wash your hands before a meal, raising your hand? Okay, if you did not raise your hand, I'm not shaking your hand after service today. We, uh, we wash our hands before meals as a way of, uh, what, preventing germs, not getting sick, things like that, which is good, and we should do that, okay? Like, you can't just go home and be like, uh, sorry, Mom, I'm not washing my hands. Jesus didn't wash his hands. That's not what this is about. It's not about the hygiene but it's about people who had a way of bringing this ceremonial, like, religious show of purity before the meal. To un really understand what's going on here, I want to talk about the difference between the traditions of men and the Word of God. And this really is important just for our Christian life in general. What's the difference? Take a look at this. Traditions of men versus the Word of God. The traditions of men are not in the Bible. The Word of God is in the Bible. The Bible is God, God's revelation to us. The traditions of men are from men. 
I think we could probably say men because they're the ones that created a lot of the traditions. But the word of God, it comes from God himself. It's God breathed. Traditions of men are not error free. To err is human. But the word of God is always, always true. We test our traditions with the truth of God's word. And by the way, when you test those traditions and they don't line up with God's word, when you, those traditions are in error, we should not be following them. We don't want to follow untruth. We want the truth. Traditions of men, we are not bound to obey those. But the word of God, we must always, always obey. Now, some of you here today have a Catholic background or friends who are Catholic, kind of like me. I've learned um, now that I have a lot more Catholic friends that in Catholicism, there's a lot of traditions. And so we can um, not only look at Catholicism, but any tradition in the church through this lens and go, okay, what are traditions of men and what is the word of God? Now, are all traditions bad? Answer, no, right? At Christmas time, we are going to uh, do the tradition of Advent. Advent is not in the Bible. Oh, Jesus' Advent is in the Bible, right? But the whole, like, you know, like, don't you love the Advent calendars? Or, you know, like, all those things. Those, we, it's not that we find those in the Bible. Are we free to not do that tradition? Absolutely, but it's a good tradition, so all of our traditions, we must evaluate according to the word of God. Now, let's get back to the Pharisees and Luke chapter 11, verses 37. So when you study the Pharisees and their idea of washing their hands before a meal, this is not about hygiene, it's not about germs or anything like that. The Pharisees have been embracing more and more traditions of men like hand washing as a way of showing that they are these extra religious, super holy people. And Jesus surprises them, not by failing to wash his hands, but by how he sees through it. And this is where our meal gets a little spicy. Verse 39. And the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. So Jesus calls out the Pharisees here for being hypocritical, right? They wash their hands. Their cup looks spotless on the outside. But Jesus says inside is full of sin. And it actually brings back a memory of middle school Brian, my wife says inside of every grown man is a middle school boy, and that is true, okay? Now, there was something that I did in middle school that I'm absolutely, like, not proud of. Ashamed to share, but I did it. This is BC, before Christ, all right? Um, so when I was in middle school, I ate a lot of hot lunch from the school cafeteria. And I don't know how hot lunch is today. Maybe it's amazing. But at my school, it was not that great. And we had a lot of leftovers and chunks of food, sauces, mashed potatoes that we didn't like. And we didn't know what to do with it. So we packed it into a cup. And then we 
took a saucer and we section sealed it onto the cup. And then we delivered the package to the sweet lunch lady who was spraying off the dishes. We called it Mr. Barf. Lovely, right? And she would like spray off the outside and then she'd try to get the lid off, but it was all suction. And then when the seal broke, all this nastiness exploded, hence the name Mr. Barf. I just tell you that today because hypocrisy is a lot like Mr. Barf. It really is. Jesus says the outside of the cup is clean, but inside is full of greed and wickedness. He makes this comment, you foolish people. Why would he say that? Well, verse 40, Jesus says, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? This is a statement about who God is. Did not God make our inner life? and not just our outer life. It's God created all of that. The inside and the outside matter to God. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at his heart. God longs for our heart. Verse 41, Jesus says, Now as for what's inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Generosity is an expression of the heart. So Jesus is just saying, start with the heart. How would we define hypocrisy? How does Jesus define hypocrisy? Here's a, a little simple definition. Hypocrisy is outward appearance without inward reality. And according to the G, uh, Jesus, the Pharisees had washed their hands. They had the outward appearance, but they were missing the inward reality. How about me? about you. Jesus defines religious hypocrisy. Number two, Jesus exposes religious hypocrisy. So let's keep going. Verse 42 comes out, woe to you Pharisees. How's that? Got the bread. Hey, somebody passed the butter. Whoa, whoa. The word woe is often used by the Old Testament prophets. It refers to sorrow. It refers to distress and even doom. Woe. Woe to you Pharisees. Jesus issues six woes here. He directs the first three to the Pharisees, the last three to the experts of the law, because one guy spoke up and said, oh, you offend us too. He's like, oh, yeah. I got some words for you. Jesus sees the real spiritual danger of hypocrisy. It is spiritually dangerous, and he calls it out in the strongest language possible. Here are the six woes from Jesus. And I'm just summarizing this. Tithing, the first one is on the topic of tithing. Verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So here are the Pharisees, they're like tithing on their garden herbs, their spices. I just see like Mr. Pharisee's got his scale out, and he's like, all right, got nine little flakes for, God, or for me, and 
I got a flake for God, nine for me, one for God. Like, way to go, you know? Like, you're so busy tithing on the minutia that you've missed the big picture of justice and love of God. Micah 6, 8, what does God require of us but to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? And of course, we should tithe. Right? To, the tithe is a biblical standard of giving. And Jesus here even affirms the tithe. He says you should have practiced this. But he's pointing out that it, it's all meant to be an expression of the heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Warning number two is pride. Verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. So hypocrisy is often rooted in pride. And the Pharisees loved the best seat in the synagogue, which, by the way, was the seat in the front facing all of the people. They really thought that was cool if they could get that seat. They were more focused on image than character. Oh, they relished the attention they got when they walked through the marketplace. Jesus is warning against pride. Warning number three, da uh, danger. I'm calling this just one danger. Jesus says in verse 44, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you're like unmarked graves which people walk over without even knowing it. When people really looked up to the Pharisees as a model of religion. They seemed to be doing all the right things. And yet Jesus says they're unmarked graves. If you're following the Pharisee, it's like walking over a grave you don't even see. It's leading to spiritual death, not to spiritual life. And religion can do that, right? Religion can lead to spiritual death. We're going to talk about what Jesus is offering us in a little bit. Woe number four, heavy burdens. Jesus turns to the experts in the law. One of the experts, these are the Bible experts, the experts in the rules of the Bible, one of the experts of the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Jesus says, Yo, yeah, you experts in the law, you're hypocrites too. Because you keep adding unto people all these unnecessary rules for their spiritual lives, and you won't even lift up finger to help them. There's no care for the burdens they bear. And Jesus says, woe to you. Woe to people who have lots of religion and very little love. Woe. Woe number five, spiritual insensitivity. He goes on, verse 47. Woe to you. Because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. 
And Jesus here is talking about the prophets in the Old Testament. These Old Testament prophets declared God's word. And these religious leaders in Jesus' day would go out and they would honor these prophets and decorate their tombs. And yet there's one who's standing before them who's even more significant than those Old Testament prophets. Jesus is the Son of God. And what will the religious leaders do to Jesus? And just what their ancestors had done, they will kill him, they will crucify him on a cross. Isn't it interesting? Talking here about spiritual insensitivity. God is right there in front of them in the person of Jesus, but they can't see it. They, they can't hear his word. And hypocrisy can result in spiritual insensitivity in our lives. We don't see how God really is. We don't see him right there. We don't see how he's working. Last one, woe number six, hindrances to salvation. Jesus says in verse 52, Woe to you experts in the law because you've taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who are entering. And so Jesus finishes with a bang. He hits it right on the head here. If, if it's not coming from within us, if it's not real, if it's not about a real and genuine personal relationship with God, guys, then what is it all about? And maybe we're we're here today because we're trying to be a Christian or we're trying to do the Christian thing. You might be here because your parents are here. You might be here because your spouse is here. And we end up going through the motions. And a lot like these religious leaders were doing, the, the, um, they worship God with their lips, but their heart was far from him. What, uh, what Jesus wants us to know today is that Christianity isn't a matter of religion. It, and, and salvation is not a matter of religion, but salvation is a free gift from God right, that leads to a personal, real, genuine, honest, life-changing relationship with God. And the question Jesus has for me and for all of us is, have we entered in? And are we inviting others around us to enter in too? This is what Jesus came to give to me and to you. See, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were not living as they should. They were hypocrites. And I am sad today to say that Christians are not immune. And there are many of us that live this way. George Barna did a recent study and reported that the hypocrisy of religious people was listed as a primary reason that people doubt Christianity. This tells us that God has a lot of work to do in our hearts so that we can reflect the beauty of Christ-like humility, genuineness, and love to the world around us. First, Jesus defines religious hypocrisy as outward appearance without inward reality. Second, Jesus exposes religious hypocrisy with six woes, wow. He calls out the sins he sees in religious people. We have our own kinds of sins. Things like pride and self-righteousness, lack of concern and love, 
disingenuineness. Guys, we desire to look like Jesus, don't we? But this is a high bar. Can I say that? Can we say that? Wanting to be by, like Jesus, kind of high bar, right? So as Christians, it is almost impossible to live without some hypocrisy in our lives because we are called to a life that is greater than we are able to live. And this actually brings us to Jesus. It brings all of us to Jesus. Last one, Jesus is the solution. He is our solution and my solution and your solution to religious hypocrisy. The world's solution is Jesus. Consider this, Jesus and hypocrisy. Number one, no one was tougher on hypocrisy than Jesus. You will not find another person in this world more concerned about hypocrisy than Jesus Christ. He flames the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. And he condemns them in the strongest possible way, not just with one woe, but with six woes. Six times. Uh, when I write my messages, I put the verses in my document. And um, I recently got something called Grammarly. And it's sort of like proofreads your document or it gives you suggestions. So I put Jesus's words uh, in, into my document. And I got a little flag from Grammarly. Um, and it, it suggested this about Jesus's words. Adjusting tone may improve connection. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Jesus didn't adjust his tone, did he? Jesus was serious. If you are disgusted, by the religious hypocrisy that you've seen, I think you're going to like Jesus because he hated it too. No one was tougher on hypocrisy than Jesus. The problem is when we point at all the hypocrisy in people around us, we got three fingers pointed back at us. We all struggle with hypocrisy. We all find ourselves saying things and then doing different things, whatever it is. We can recognize today that being a hypocrite is part of what it means to be a human. Unless your name happens to be Jesus. Jesus lived his life without any hypocrisy. None. When the meal was finished, um, I think Jesus had worn out his welcome. It struck a nerve. Look at what we read at the end, Luke eleven fifty three. Jesus went outside. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions. 
waiting to catch him in something he might say. Something happened at that dinner. Something changed. And the religious leaders went out from that moment to see if Jesus would mess up. And they were watching him carefully. They were looking to see if he would just say one little wrong thing or just do one little wrong thing. They were looking to see if there was any hypocrisy in his life, and they would never find it. In John chapter 8, Jesus issues a challenge to the world. And he says, can any of you convict me of committing a sin? No one could convict him then. When Jesus stood on trial, Pilate said, I don't, I don't see anything wrong in this man. And to this day, the world has not found any sin in Jesus. No one lived a more perfect life than Christ. No one could. So perfect was Jesus in every way. He was the sinless Son of God. And He came into this world not to condemn the world, but to set us free, to show us grace. He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the perfect Lamb of God. He shed His blood, paid the price, was put in the grave, and rose from the dead and now sits exalted, the name above all, every single name. Why? So that all, and that includes me and you, who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven, will begin a genuine, life-changing, never-ending relationship with God. It's why He came. It's why He lived and died for us. No one was tougher on hypocrisy than Jesus. Jesus lived his life without any hypocrisy. Number three, Jesus saves us from our hypocrisy. I'm so glad he did. How are we saved? The answer, not by our works, not by what we do. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, by trusting in him. Jesus asks, have you entered in? We enter in by trusting Christ, believing and receiving. And here's just the awesome, awesome thing. There is no power in this world that is greater than the power of the cross. And the same faith that saves us changes us. The same faith that rescues us, redeems us, and changes our life. It's why Jesus came. See, religion wants to transform our lives from the outside in, but Jesus changes our life from the inside out. It makes all the difference. Jesus is our solution to religious hypocrisy. And here at Hope, we have embraced this vision, and you see it on this banner especially. We seek to create a culture here. Number one, look at the top of these two banners. What, what do we care about here at Hope? Number one, God changing lives and people. That's what we're about, two things. Change lives and people. But this is the culture we're trying to create, where people are strengthened. We lift the burdens of one another, where genuineness is encouraged, and where Christianity is a matter of the heart. And this is who we are. This is who we are 
becoming through the good news of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for these strong words for us today that confront us right at the heart level. And we do confess our own hypocrisy in our life. Um, we are not free from that, whether it is pride or maybe a lack of love or, um, gosh, God, even in our parenting as parents, we can really struggle as we advocate for things and then we struggle to live those out. And we just thank you that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient for our need. We thank you for the power of forgiveness and that we can come and confess our sins to you and you are, um, you are so holy and just in forgiving us of our sins. So thank you, God, for new mercies every day. And we pray, God, that you would transform your church to be a beautiful bride and that when the world sees the church that they would not see hypocrisy, but they would see genuineness. They would see Christ, God. Please shine your light in us and through us in our own imperfect ways. And God, continue to change our lives. Continue to do your work as we trust in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.